Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome into the USWNT Hour. I'm your host, Lisa Roman, alongside former U.S. international Lori Lindsay. You can join us live on youtube.com slash attacking third every Monday from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern and join the conversation in the YouTube chat. You can also listen to all of the USWNT Hour shows on the Attacking Third podcast. Download, follow, and subscribe anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Lori Lindsay, welcome in today. We've got a roster. We've got a lot to talk about. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Um, good to see Elise as always. And yeah, love love chatting about this. And thanks for everyone who's joining us. And, you know, obviously there's going to be some debate on how people are feeling about this roster selection. And at the end of the day, good thing that um, it's none of us that are um, the ones that are picking this. And it's Flacco and Anoski. So here we are. But looking forward to the conversation. You said it best. I'm really glad it's not us. He's got some champagne problems that he's dealing with a little bit. Uh, He's pretty honest about his choices and what he makes. Um, We were both able to join his media availability after this roster dropped to hear him talk about the names that was picked and everything like that. So we're going to get into all of it. Talking about the 23 players that Black Wendonofsky has called in, the most surprising names on this list, the biggest names that are missing from this list, some bubble players that didn't make it and maybe could have. We're going to look at different formations and lineups that we could see in this team. We've got a lot to dive into. Before we do all of that, a quick reminder to everyone that I have a $100 Paramount Plus subscription to give away during today's episode. Congratulations to all of our previous winners. I pick a winner every single Monday. You'll get a DM from us and you'll get a pin that'll be your code for your Paramount Plus gift card. All you need to do to enter is like this video and drop your social media handle without the at symbol in the chat right now for a chance to win a $100 Paramount Plus gift card. Like this video and drop your social media handle in the chat and you'll get a DM from us if you are our winner. Lori, let's dive into it. It's the June call-ups roster. It is also the CONCACAF W Championship roster. Black Wendonofsky named as 23 players that are representing the USA in Mexico for the 2022 CONCACAF W Championship. It's an eight-team tournament um, which births to the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup and the 2024 Paris Olympics are at stake. I'm going to run through the roster for you before we get your initial reaction. Goalkeepers, three of them called in Aubrey Kingsbury, Casey Murphy, and Alyssa Nair. Defenders, seven of them, Alana Cook, Emily Fox, Naomi Gurma, Sophia Huerta, Kelly O'Hara, Becky Sauerbronn, and Emily Sonnet. Midfielders, six, Lindsay Horan, Taylor Korniak, 
Rose Lavelle, Christy Mewis, Ashley Sanchez, and Andy Sullivan. And forwards, seven called in. Ashley Hatch, Alex Morgan, Mallory Pugh, Midge Purse, Megan Rapino, Trinity Rodman, and Sophia Smith. And additionally, after those 23 names, Andonofsky also named three additional players that will be part of the 26-player June training camp for the two friendlies against Colombia prior to the team's departure for Mexico. Um, so those three extra players are Carson Pickett, defender, and two midfielders in Sam Coffey and Jalen Howell. Lori, 23 names on the roster for the World Cup qualifiers, three extras added, initial reaction to these 26 names. Yeah, I mean, um, initial reactions is, you know, kind of what I expected. I mean, these aren't far off from what I picked, um, regardless of what people are feeling. I mean, there is like, a, it isn't just about performance for every single player. Mindful, yes, that it should be for a lot of the players, but given that this is uh, World Cup qualifying, this is not the World Cup roster. So like, I think that needs to be put in context as well. We should qualify. That should not be an issue, but we need to go in and as Vlaco has stated, like prepared for these games and ready to go. And I think there's a good balance um, amongst this roster um, in terms of some veteran players, but also the young talent that we have grown to expect to be on the roster and who quite honestly are leading the way. So I really like the group. Um, I really was surprised about Corniak and even Mitch um, Purse. But, you know, with further thought about it, I like the additions of those two, and I think they will um, add variety to the attack for this U.S. team. So I think it's a good pick. Um, mm -hmm. And um, we'll get into some of the, the conversation, which I fully expect um, everybody in the chat will be excited about. Um, I mean, wh why so. delay this any farther? You said it. We picked a lot of these names a, a week or so ago when we went through this and we picked our roster. Um, you mentioned Margaret Purse. I had her as my 24th yep. player, so the additional one coming in. But, um, Lori, we're, we're here to talk about this, about your picks. Megan Rapino is listed on this roster. You had her initially called in based on um, her veteran ability and what she's able to do on the pitch, despite not playing every single game with O.L. Reign in and out with a bit of injuries. But Black Wendonofsky has named Megan Rapino as one of the seven forwards called into this. Um, what do you what do you have to say to the people that were doubting you and your choices here? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not here to like get in arguments or anything because I really I appreciate the debate and I appreciate people's opinions. And I mean, listen, though, the way that I view this and I've been a part of a lot of these rosters on the good side and the bad side. And it's not just about performance across the board, especially when you're in a position that black goes in, um, given that you need to bring in younger players that haven't been in this position and at least off off air, you and I were going through this and I, there's 14 out of 23 players on this roster who have not stepped a foot into any sort of major competition at the international level. So that's over half of the team that has never taken place in uh, or taken part in some sort of competition that they're about to take part in. And as I mentioned before, listen, like we should and the, the expectation is to qualify no matter what. And that puts us in qualification for qualifying for the World Cup and Olympics. Um, However, I do like the um, the balance that's on this this roster, and quite frankly, no one who's debating about this can give me another good call up that they would have in place of Megan Rapinoe, which seems to be the biggest like 
uh, controversial pick for everybody here, which, I mean, Vlatko stated in his media, it was very point blank, like he's had some really good conversations with Megan, um, knew exactly what she can do. And listen, honestly, the reality is this was the same on the men's side. You are not going to leave off a player that has proven that they have been one of the best ever and that led this team. And this just wouldn't happen. Yes, you would bring in younger players, but this is exactly what would happen on the men's side heading into a world championship. And don't come at me with any anything else because it's just not true. Um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, so if – and like I said, no one's been able to give me a legitimate replacement who you would bring in. And Balser, Sid, who I've heard, Morgan Weaver, those aren't it because Weaver doesn't even start for her team consistently. So – and Sid and Balser are not, are not it either. So until somebody has like a really good replacement, then, then the point is moot in my opinion because Megan has shown that she is ready. Yes, she's been battling through injury, but I think also what Blacko has said in the media – um, she's going to be playing behind Mal Pugh, who hands down is the MVP of the league currently, right? She has been outstanding and fully expect her to be leading the way in these World Cup qualifiers and being the main one to lead um, lead the line in the front. So Exactly, exactly. Um, well, everyone in the chat, drop your picks with a bit of reasoning. Lori wants some reasoning. Who else could have been called in instead of Megan Rapino? And we need some reasons why. Don't just drop their name. But I agree with, with everything you're saying, Lori, and more so with what Vlako Andonofsky was saying in that media availability is that his conversations with Megan Rapino were very honest in that, yes, you're playing behind a player like Mallory Pugh. And, and Megan is very much okay with that and understands her role on the team, which I think is a bigger aspect and a bigger vantage point that a player like Rapino brings to this roster because she's been in World Cups. She's won them. She's won Olympic gold medals. Um, she's played at the highest level in controversy through adversary, which is one thing that Blacko Andonofsky spoke a lot about is that she's a player that's been through a lot. Her knowledge, her understanding, her mentality, her experience through tough times getting out on top, uh, the winning mentality that she has is so valuable for this team and and for players like Mallory Pugh, but Sophia Smith, Trinity Rodman's forwards that are in the exact same position as Megan Rapino, but Rapino will be so instrumental in not only helping them with what they're doing on the pitch and finding their spaces and working through a low block that they're going up against, but also off the pitch. Um, she understands that her job there is to push Mallory Pugh and to get her to be the best player that she can be. But um, this leads to our conversation about names missing from this roster. And there are a couple of them. And just as we're transitioning from the conversation with Megan Rapino, we have to look at a player like Kristen Press, who has been playing for Angel City. She's notched a couple of goals. Um she is not on this list. And Black Wendonofsky was very clear in his media availability that press was not on this roster even before the injury that she just suffered this past weekend in the NWSL. And it's not just her performance on the pitch that was into evaluation, but how her performance stacks up against Trinity Rodman, Sophia Smith, Mallory Pugh. How does Kristen Press not being on this roster compare to Megan Rapino being on this roster? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think there's a lot of stuff that goes behind on behind the scenes that, um, you know, a lot of people aren't privy to. Right. And, um, you know, I think that probably dates back a little bit. Like, listen, 
I am privy to some information and also not to all of it. And I uh, clearly wasn't there at the Olympics, but I guarantee this has to do with a lot of stuff that goes on off the field um, that people don't know about. Right. And so as good as Kristen Press has been, um, I think more of this has to do with like leadership aspect and what that looks like in terms of not only your performance on the field, because in general, Kristen Press is going to be more like a Mallory Pugh. Um, and I said this from the beginning, too, um, about what Megan can bring in terms of her play. And Blacko said it in the media, right? His media availability today and just the difference. Not a lot of players bring what Megan brings, whether it's 10 minutes, whether it's 30 minutes, right? Whether um, it's this isn't 30 about seconds to score a penalty kick at the end of a game. Yeah. Or, or, you know, her first two touches or she hits a crossbar against San Diego this weekend, right? So um, I think it looks very different from player to player. But I also go back to the 2015 World Cup and somebody like an Abby Wambach who, you know, wasn't playing her best, wasn't going to get 90 minutes. Do you bring her because you know what you're going to get off on the bench and you know how she's going to respond to play, being on the bench? And I think you know that with Megan. Right. And I think there is some internal stuff um, that we don't actually know with other players um, and take what you want with that, um, with what I'm saying um, with that. But uh, <laughs> you can read between the lines. All right. So I think um, Blacko has his reasonings, but I think that's probably ha- what it has to do is behind the scenes chemistry, what you're going to get, how people are going to react, maybe not starting or playing as much. Um, so, yeah. So some people dropping in the chat, I love this to drop your uh, information, your picks for who else could have been. Um, some people are saying Kristen Hamilton. We got, uh, that's James Miller dropping a Hamilton in there. John John saying Jessica McDonald's been with the USA at the World Cup and she has the experience playing for Racing Louisville right now. Um, so just some other names popping up here, but it's it's a lot of the recent experience I think that Megan Rapino brings, and and also Kristen Press is now injured. We don't know the right. extent of her knee injury at this point. So despite Blacko saying that Press was never on this roster, she's not at this point because she is injured. Um, we don't know the extent of her knee injury. Of course, wishing her the best and and that it's not too serious and that whatever it is, it's an incredibly speedy recovery. But at this point, she's injured, and that falls into line with a, a number of other players. But any thoughts from you, Lori, on like a Jess McDonald, a Kristen Hamilton with uh, Kansas City? These are just names that people are throwing into the chat. So um, I'm yeah, like, yeah, they have had good. They have had good. <laughs> I think Kristen Hamilton's great at the NWSL level, right? Does she bring mm-hmm. something more that's going to beat out somebody um, currently with our attack and the U.S. Women's National Team? No. And at this point in time, the conversation is around having a little bit of balance with the youth that have been extraordinary and a bit more veteran players on that front line, which in this case would be Megan and Alex Morgan, right? So if you're bringing in Kristen Hamilton, she has no experience at this level. So you're just adding to the inexperience of a, um, at the national team level. Jess McDonald did go to the World Cup in 2019. Barely played, though. Has been mm-hmm. great. Love Jess and what she brings. Do I think that this is a player that the U.S. needs currently? No. I don't. And so like, does it take anything away from her value and what she brings? This is just a different level. And we're talking about little nuances. I'm not saying that Megan Rapinoe throughout this. I mean, listen, I think sometimes this gets out, totally out of context and what people think. It's not, not like Megan Rapinoe should be playing 90 minutes starting every game. No, but the little nuances that she brings looks very different than what a Kristen Hamilton and a Jess McDonald brings, even very different to what um, Kristen Press. And 
I have been at the highest, highest level. And in these moments, it's not just about what you bring on the field. It's about how you're bringing players together, the chemistry, a makeup of the team is not always the best 23 at any given time. It's about mm-hmm. who can work the best together. Who's going to bring that chemistry. Who's going to bring the camaraderie who knows what it takes to be there. And you know that you get that. And somebody from Vlako Anonofsky, who was in his first major tournament last year, which would have been a real shock when it came to the Sweden game, right? There's a learning curve for Vlako as a head coach as well back then. And also, this is the toughest position that any U.S. coach has ever been in, with Jill Ellis not nearly having to make these tough decisions, right? Because of there was a like a very core group that was in their prime at the time consistently. So this is like about the nuance of a conversation. It doesn't mean that Kristen Hamilton hasn't done really well. Again, lover or Jess McDonald, but what are they bringing that's going to add? Right. And so that's where the press thing is. Um, yeah, I, I am friends with Megan. <laughs> like this isn't like this isn't somebody just treated like Lori's friends. Yeah, Ralph, I am. This isn't like but this is also like just like a common understanding of what it takes to put a rosters together as well. Um, exactly. The team isn't going to not qualify if Megan's not on that roster if press is and press wasn't injured. I'm just saying also Blacko and Ananaski would have a real understanding what some of these players would bring and what it takes at certain at a certain time to have the best roster to get the job done. Exactly. That it's so much of that that comes down to it. And Black Anonofsky was very clear about that, saying, I have had conversations with Megan Rapino. Um, and from my understanding with what he was saying, it was more on the lines of uh, yes, Megan, we we need you there for what you can bring off the pitch. You're not going to start and get 90 minutes. It's more of of how you can contribute and having those conversations. And and Megan understanding her role has shifted on this team. And I think that's where a big part of this um, comes in and, and that type of conversation. There are um, a number of other players that were missing on this list, but we have someone very special joining our US WNT Hour live right now. Um, good friend, right? for CBS Sports, co-host of Attacking Third with me, Sandra Herrera is here to give her thoughts on everything that is U.S. Women's National Team, the roster that has dropped. Sandra, welcome into the show. We've talked a little bit about it. We've picked Lori's brain on these rosters. Uh, We were just talking about Megan Rapinoe being added to this list, but some other names that are missing, a number of them due to injury, Tierna Davidson, Lynn Williams, Katarina Macario, Sam Mewis, Tobin Heath, Abby Dahlkamper, all due to injury, not on that list. (laughs) Crystal Dunn, Julie Ertz, Casey Kruger out for maternity leave at at this point. What were, Sandra, for you, some of the most surprising names that were not on this roster? What up, up, Lori? I couldn't wait to hop on here and and chat first reactions with you about it. Honestly, look, I think when the news of Kat Macario came down, it just was one of those things where it was like deflating in its own unique way, where it's like a certain level of uh, excitement that folks might have had around this competition might have got to, you know, deflated a little bit because at this point you had a number of injuries and pregnancies, right. You know, new new mamas to the team kind of come into play that we knew was going to reshape what this eventual roster was going to look like. But at the time, it was going to be a roster that maybe included a player like Macario and then maybe some other veterans that we still had some question marks around in the in the air of whether or not they were going to, to come on. But after having some time to, to process that, we had chatted a lot about that here on Attacking Third. We 
wrote about it on CBS Sports. And I wrote about this just, just now about CBS Sports. And you could go check that out when you have a chance. Plug but it. Plug thinking, it. Thinking about it, I'm like, you know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't matter because of the player pool that is at the disposal of this USWNT coaching staff. It's, is it unfortunate that things like injuries uh, the, and the timing of these injuries that have come into play have impacted the eventual roster that we that we now saw go live? Yeah, of course it's unfortunate, but is that going to be detrimental to the extent that they will fail to qualify for the world cup? I don't think I could. I don't think I saying that is going to make me come bite bite me in the butt, you know, sooner down the line. They're just you're just looking at the competition in front of them. And while we have all been in agreement that we are very enthusiastic about the direction in which Concacaf is going, it's not a level fl- playing field yet. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just not. We would be liars on here if we said that this is a level playing field for all national teams in Concacaf. It's not. There is the, the fact of the matter is there are teams, systems, and programs in place that are ahead of some other national teams and system and programs currently in existence. And the USWNT is the number one of those systems. They have a massive player pool. We saw it literally get expanded in front of our eyes as as Concacaf dropped the uh, the player pools that that the national teams will be selecting from. And you had the USWNT drop. 50 something names like it was nothing like it was nothing and you're just like okay yeah that makes sense all these players I I know that name that looks familiar they're good and and that's just where I'm at uh, in terms of this The, the the level of talent the pipeline talent that exists right now because the NWSL NWSL exists let's not forget that I know Lori I would love to hear your your thoughts on this a little bit but you know, the fact that there is a league, a consistent league now, a league that's 10 years old, we see examples of that in this roster. We see Taylor Korniak. We see Naomi Gurma. We, you know, players who are going to be participating mostly for the Columbia friendlies, maybe not necessarily CONCACAF, but, you know, the shout outs to to Carson Pickett, you know, Jalen Howell. Lori, I couldn't wait to come on here and talk to you about Sam Coffey. Yeah, I love to see it. I love yeah. to see it. You know, these are a number of first year players getting their shot at the pro level in, in NWSL this year in 2022. So you have this combination of players who have some experience in in you youth teams, you know, whether they're U20s or, or, or U15s and so on and so forth. So this combination of youth teams and now this added element and experience of constant and consistent play. And NWSL, it's almost unfair to think about when you're looking at the competition that they're going to be going up against. You know, Jamaica doesn't have, you know, a, a women's professional league for their players to, to go out there. You know, Canada, their their players have talked about that. They have their players within NWSL right now. And Mexico is 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 a is a country that finally got on board with. Form, forming their, uh, you know, their women's professional league, but that is that is a league that's still very, very young, about as young as as NWSL. So, the level of of talent that the coaching staff has at their, you know, at their disposal to sort of name a roster like this. I looked at all the names on it. And I said, "This is this is a team that can absolutely go out there and clinch, yeah, the qualifying spot. Period. Even without name, even if they decided to not take Megan Rapinoe, which 
they're taking her. Yeah. Whether they decided to take her or not, guess what? They were going to, they're, they're going to be okay. We're going to take her no matter what. I mean, yeah, I think those are great. I think that that's a, a great way to look at it too, Sandra, and just in terms of this isn't an equal playing field. And, and we've said that, right? Like we know the depth of this. Um, I also think that when you're thinking of this roster of 23, and like as Lisa I mentioned a little bit ago, 14 of these players have never played in a world championship, then there's good balance in this, right? There's good balance in this group in terms of understanding what it takes to these level, but then also getting a lot of these younger players that have done really well experience and what it takes to get it done does that mean missing a few of these players you, you pointed out um sandra they wouldn't no i mean at this point in time the expectation is you qualify and that should be the case right um it doesn't mean you take any games lightly because we've seen it go the other way as well but you prepare the exact same but i'm a, actually a fan of this i think um this could look different just the amount of injuries um going into the actual world cup gathering that we do qualify this could look very different um yes. if people are back right i mean yeah. even the, some of the players we just mentioned that are out that's a whole nother roster exactly exactly so wild so this roster that was named the 23 are the team that is representing us in mexico at the 2022 concacaf w championship the three additional players they are they make up 26 players of the roster that will be competing with the united states in their june friendlies against colombia but uh, we touched on this right now a little bit sandra you mentioned some of these names because yes the united states is at a big advantage with how many players that they have to choose from some of the most surprising names on this roster uh, midfielder taylor Corn out of San Diego, Wave, midfielder Sam Coffey for Portland Thorns, Carson Pickett, defender for North Carolina. Um, these players that are being called in, uh, Taylor Korniak on the full roster for the CONCACAF W Championships. Let's talk about Taylor Korniak and this type of player that has been called in and, and what Vlako Andonofsky has talked about Korniak and what she's been able to do. Uh, she's a 6-1 midfielder. She can play forward up top. She was drafted to Orlando Pride, number three overall in 2020. She didn't get to play in 2020 due to COVID. And then Orlando Pride didn't even get to go to the Challenge Cup that year. So Korniak missed out on a year of NWSL play. She played one year with Orlando and then traded to San Diego and has taken strides to grow her game every single time she steps on the pitch. Lori, were you surprised to see Taylor Korniak on this roster? Uh, I was. And, but like, much like this year, she's really surprised me. And I think she's been excellent. Um, you know, I remember last year when she was at Orlando, I didn't love the way that they used her, especially under Mark Skinner. I think it was like direct balls, utilize her aerial presence. Um, I don't think we saw very much at all her ability to play um, with her feet and how good she is actually at playing the final pass and in the buildup. Um, but then when Becky Burley took over, once Mark Skinner left, I remember Becky talking about, that Korniak wanted to play more of the six position or the eight. And I was like, what? Like, is that even like a, a thing? Right. And mm -hmm. they, I didn't feel like they utilized her that well either. And at that point in time, the kind of season was like gone a bit at that point uh, then as well. So this trade to San Diego, I think is, surprised me and and the way that she's playing and in like such a good way. And she mm -hmm. has like proven me wrong big time um, because I think that she has really, been an important piece to the San Diego team. And I think when you think, and this is something we've talked about too, when you start to look for, forward with the U.S. Women's National Team and gone are the days when you have like months to prepare as a team, camaraderie 
and how you're performing with players on your club team is important. And that's something that Korniak has spoke to directly about linking up with Alex Morgan, their partnership on the field. That certainly would play into what this looks like going into the June friendlies and the CONCACAF qualifiers um, with their understanding between one another, right? So I like what she adds. And I think Vlatko has been very um, vocal. And we heard him say it in the media availability today as well. Yes, she's 6'1". She adds something um, in the, on set pieces, which I think will be very important. And this is why, yeah. like, for further contemplation for myself, I like the addition of her and Mitch Purse um, massively because Korniak will be experienced on set pieces, will be a threat, no doubt. But I also think she has the ability to drop deep and, and play make from a deeper role, but also get into the mix and, like, link up and, and coordinate um, in, in ways that – look a little different than some of the other players that have been called in. So surprise, no doubt, but I think is, is a great call up. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I know we do a lot of these. We record a lot of these, whether it's on A3 or, or otherwise for, for CBS sports, but you know, I've been high on, on Korniak for a little while when we had to preview a little rain in, in San Diego it was my player uh, to watch. I have, uh, I've really appreciated sort of seeing her, her her growth and her continued development under Casey Stoney specifically with San Diego. I think it's an important point that Lori brings up about just sort of getting that very tough start to a 2020, you know, a professional rookie season that for a lot of players in that draft class kind of had a screeching halt, right? With with the the rise of, of the COVID-19 pandemic and and the bubble and playing the introduction of a challenge cup and then an eventual fall series. And then you sort of add these different elements with Orlando Pride where maybe she wasn't utilized in, in various positions where she was going to be successful. And now we're seeing the difference, uh, you know, in, in this type of player in a team like San Diego wave with a coach like Casey Stoney. I mean, Alex Morgan is getting all the highlight reels, right. As, as, as the goal scorer. Uh, but we've got a Taylor Korniak who's, who's right behind Alex Morgan in all of the, the stat areas in terms of Alex Morgan might be number one in, in the shot, total shots or total goals or shots blocked, et cetera. But Taylor Korniak is number two right behind her in terms of the total shots and attempts on targets set. And she's a player who's had this ability to create chances as well for this team and the expected goal rate also number two, right behind Alex Morgan as well. I've really, really appreciated just sort of watching her play with what looks like a little bit more freedom and a little bit more confidence uh, both on and off the ball. And I think her level of play this year has sort of led to this moment mm -hmm. for her. And, um, you know, I think we when we're looking at the type of competition that this is, it's very important. It's, it's for a spot in the World Cup. But you also have to look at the, the type of competition that it is and the level of competition that will be a, be at stake in some of these games. And if we see her get minutes, I think that was one of the things in the release that they were sort of marking the thing. Like if she gets minutes in this CONCACAF chance, she's going to be the tallest midfielder ever to sort of uh, <laughs> rock the Jersey right in this competition for, for that. So uh, would I like to see it? Yeah. Yes, of course. Um, but I think we're going to have to see some things first against Colombia to sort of see, yes. you know, how a player is adapting to this national, uh, national team level. Yeah, yeah. And Lisa, can I just add to one thing too? Because Sandra had mentioned about um, coffee, Sam Coffee, and I've been really high on her and I've really liked what she, she's added. But, you know, one of the things I was thinking about once we did see this release was the fact that 
Um, you know, maybe the U.S. doesn't actually need a Sam Coffey right now, right? I mean, she's getting called in. She's getting called in as one of the three extra players. And I think, you know, at any given time with the amount these players have played, there could be injuries, right? So one of those players of the three, Pickett, um, Howell, or Coffey could be um, elevated up to actually a full roster in the CONCACAF, barring hopefully that doesn't happen, right? Because we don't need any more injuries. But the reason why I say maybe we don't need a coffee right now is because she's certainly going to be a bit more of that six who's going to switch the point. You have that in Andy Sullivan. And I think with the rotation and what to expect in some of the teams in qualifiers, I think that Korniak essentially could be more useful in the way that she plays and the way that you're going to break down teams. Um, and we'll see. But I think yeah. just given um, how well both of those two players have played, I mean, ultimately yeah. he has to make decisions, but um, I would say Korniak could be a more integral part um, immediately, especially in qualifiers. Yeah, I think that's really the plan that Flacco has for Korniak in bringing her in. I, we, we talk so much about this media availability, but it's a chance for us to get firsthand words from Vlako Andonofsky himself about what he was thinking. And he mentioned about Korniak saying that he started following her in 2021. Um, and, and then she plateaued a little bit throughout the season with Orlando and Orlando has a team plateaued, right? They started off the 2021 year in the NWSL incredibly hot. They were at the top of the standings for, I think a month and then just uh, continuously went down and their level kind of died off as other teams continued to get better. Uh, but then at the start of the 2022 challenge cup, Korniak was back on the U.S. national team's radar, and they were watching her, uh, her aerial challenges, her physical, her physicality, but also her creativity and her partnership with Alex Morgan was a huge factor in that. And having that chemistry already that can easily translate over from San Diego into the national team is huge among this. Um, I know you just touched on Sam Coffey, but um, I'm seeing this in the chat, so I want to bring it up to both of you. Uh, looking at the goalkeepers, the ones that were called in, Aubrey Kingsbury, Casey Murphy, and Alyssa Nair, we're getting so many questions, so many questions on OL Reign goalkeeper Fallon Tullis-Joy. She's been one of the best in the NWSL. I am not denying that. I don't think Lori's denying that. I don't think Sandra is denying that by any means. Ladies, correct me if I'm wrong. However, she was not called into this roster. How does that balance out between a player like Casey Murphy that was coming off of injury and getting more time? Um, but Fallon Tullis Joyce, a lot of people have question marks about her and why her name is not on this list, even as one of the three thoughts from you. Sandra, I can I can start with you on this one about Fallon Tullis Joyce. Yeah, I mean, look, big fan here of, of Fallon Tillis Joyce. Uh, I refer to her as part of my, my big three players to watch for all rain almost weekend and week out. Uh, but I think when we're talking about this roster as a whole, and we talk about something like the uh, omission of players based on, you know, whether they're going through lingering injuries or new injuries or, um, you know, experiencing uh, motherhood, like all of these things are coming into play, but you also have to maybe have uh, a different, uh, an additional lens on that and say, there's also these injuries and, and moments of, of, of motherhood coming into play within certain positions. And when we're looking at it positionally, that's not necessarily something that we're seeing on the goalkeeper side of things. I know we've been talking a lot about Alyssa Nair, for example, and how she has sort of made her return post-Olympic injury there and almost sort of looks not different, but almost stronger <laughs> of, of, of a player in goalkeeper, uh, making quicker movements off of her line. Just uh, always been a goalkeeper who has had a great distribution and that almost looks even better somehow as well. Uh, but when I'm looking 
looking at sort of maybe, you know, or hearing what someone like Vleko Andonovsky is is saying about how things like injury maybe hindered or, or reshaped this uh, this roster, the goalkeeper position isn't necessarily one that came to mind. I knew that there were probably be decisions that had to have been made at like the center back area, uh, you know, obviously somewhere some some areas in the midfield and perhaps uh, a position or two in the forward line. And uh, maybe the are uh, the other counter argument there as well. Isn't Murphy her? And I would say that she was and is clearly no longer. Uh, she's uh, been getting her starts in net for North Carolina Courage. And this is a player who has been involved in the system under head coach Leko Andonovsky and getting uh, call-ups into the national team dating back into, uh, you know, late last year when they when they started to make that shift a little bit to expand the player pool ahead of 2022. So uh, I, when I look at the goalkeeper position, listen, Fallon Tillis Joyce, she will probably have a call up into a camp uh, eventually. I would not be uh, surprised by that at all. But I think for right now, for the recency and the urgency of, you know, having to meet the deadline, make the roster, go roll into Mexico and, and compete in CONCACAF qualifiers, you're going to stick with your regulars here. And and for the most part, under Andonovsky, it's been some combination of Kingsbury, Murphy, and Nair. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that I mean, the reality is the goalkeeping player pool is large. It's deep, right? And that's an exciting thing. And um, as I'm a big fan of Fallon Tellis Joyce as well, and I think that she's been excellent this season for OL Reign. Um, but like outside of Casey Murphy being injured at the beginning um, and now back, those three have been excellent as well. And plus they have experience at this level, right? Um, and, and mind you that somebody like Kingsbury who wouldn't have a ton of experience – has been consistently good for several years in in this league. And when it comes to this position in goalkeeping, that's what you need. You need to prove that you – because you don't get a ton of minutes. I mean, uh, Nicole Barnhart comes to mind, right? I mean, you had Hope Sola had over 100 caps, and the next one was like Nicole Barnhart with like 60 or something, and that was over like 15 years. And then the next was like Ashlyn Harris who had two. Right. Like it was ju it just you don't get you don't get a ton. So you have to be able to perform not knowing. And so with Fallon Tulls Joyce, I think agree with Sandra 100 percent deserves a call up. I don't think now it makes a ton of sense, um, especially just continue to allow her to play and be really a quality goalkeeper in the league. And then because she is part of the future, in my opinion. Yes. Um, and that is the reality as this league continues to progress and more and more players continue to show doesn't mean you have to be called in right now. doesn't mean that you're again, goes back to the conversation that we've had about being a really good NWSL player does not take away anything from these players. You might not get called up and that might just be a preference by the coach as well. As much as yeah. anybody outside of that current team wants to disagree or agree Ultimately, it's Flacco and his coaching staff's decision, and everyone else can be really upset about it, but they're the ones that know about the internal workings of the team and why you choose somebody and why you like player A over player B or not, right? And sometimes it might not look like the best 23 that everybody had in mind, but guarantee that they're picking on other reasons just outside current performance and whether or not all of us outsiders like them or not. That's <laughs> well, a great reminder. <laughs> 
<laughs> what an incredible reminder that uh, it's ultimately up to Black Wendonofsky. It's not even up to us. And we don't know what's happening. As he mentioned, he was watching Taylor Korniak in 2021, and she's not getting this first call up until June of 2022. Um they, they have their eyes on players. I love all this conversation about this. We're getting so many questions in the chat about who's going to play in the six. What does the formation look like? And now that we have a 23-player roster for the World Cup qualifiers, we get to do our starting lineups, our predictions for that. We get to take a look at formations. We're going to dive into all of this right after a very quick break. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the USWNT Hour Show. I'm your host, Lisa Roman, alongside former U.S. international midfielder Lori Lindsay, CBS Sports head NWSL and U.S. women's national team writer and co-host of Attacking Third, Sandra Herrera, hat, the, the best hat wearer in the game that we have with us joining us. Um, welcome back. We are so excited to talk about this lineups for the United States women's national team, a bit of formation rotation that we might see. But before we do that, I want to remind everyone that I have a 100 Paramount Plus gift card to give away during today's episode. All you need to do is like this video and drop your social media handle in the chat without the at symbol, and we will pick a winner. You'll get a DM from us. So like this video and drop your social media handle in the chat because we want everyone to watch these CONCACAF W championships and the World Cup qualifiers. They're all on Paramount Plus. So this is your one-stop shop to win a free year of Paramount Plus to watch all of it. All right, we've got the June U.S. Women's National Team Camp roster. That is 26 names, but I want to focus on just the 23 names for right now. That is going to the 2022 CONCACAF W Championship in Mexico, representing the USA, fighting for not only a World Cup bid, but also a 2024 Paris Olympic bid in this team. Um, I want to look at the, the lineups that Sandra, Lori, we've all written down. And I want to go line by line so we can really dive into these and, and what we see positionally. Starting in the back with our goalkeepers, three of them called in, Aubrey Kingsbury, Casey Murphy, and Alyssa Nair. Lori, who gets the start for you between the sticks? Oh, Alyssa Nair at this point in time, for sure. I mean, I think she's been excellent throughout this season. She has a lot of experience. And I think, listen, like the – the reality is, too, with all of this, it depends on who you're playing. Um, you know, if, like that's going to look um, different each game, obviously, with the opposition, but um, rotation of players. And this is always an interesting one because I think not a lot of it will change, but I also, you're going to have rotation, right? You're going to have rotation in these lineups, but Alyssa Nair would be my first choice at this point in time. Sandra? 
Same. I don't know how you go into probably the biggest tournament for this team in 2022, at least, and not have your your number one being number one in net. So I'm going with Alyssa Nair as well. I agree with that. Alyssa Nair, for sure. It's it's funny. We're talking so much about player rotation. For the Olympics, it was um, Alyssa Nair, Jane Campbell, and A.D. French. So Kingsbury and Murphy, uh, this is their first look, Lori, right, at a big international tournament for them coming into this and, and looking to get experience. So I hope they get time. Um, I'm, I am hoping for some rotation there, especially with Kingsbury. I think she would be my number two to step into the goalkeeper role um, in, in this lineup. All right, let's move up. The defensive line, we talked about it a little bit at the start of the show. Names missing on this roster just to get this out of the way for people just tuning in. Crystal Dunn on maternity leave. Tierna Davidson out with an ACL injury. So those players are not available. Uh, name state defenders for Vlako Anonofsky in this back line. So when we look at the seven that are called in, Alana Cook, Emily Fox, Naomi Gurma, Sophia Huerta, Kelly O'Hara, Becky Sauerbronn, and Emily Sonnet. Uh, Sandra, I'll start with you. Back line, who do you have? Do you have four in the back, three in the back? I got four. I got four in four the back. In the I think, uh, look, I'm going to go with a, a, the center back pairing first. I want to see Alana Cook continue her her rise as a, as, as a starting caliber center back for both club and country. I would like to see her along Becky, uh, alongside Becky Sarabon just because I'm a little curious uh, as, as to how that pairing would work together. Uh, they strike me as sort of similar players, very good positionally, able to to read the game with their with their vision. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm more out of curiosity, wanting to see the two of them uh, side by side. Even though I would love to see Gurma get some some minutes during uh, this time with the team, but going with Cook and Sarabin together, and then at the outside backs, uh, I'm I'm going with Fox and I'm going with Huerta. I just am very very impressed with the two of them and their level of play. Uh, as they've continued their development at the position uh, throughout NWSL matches. And I think we need to see more a, a little bit in terms of that national team level. And I also think we need to see it in this type of environment. So they're likely to get some minutes against Colombia, but what are they going to look like playing in those positions during a sort of quick up to seven game type of tournament mm -hmm. uh, with uh, some pretty heavy implications uh, on the line. So I want to see the the two of them at outside back. Listen, Sandra and I are the exact same. Um, we're at the same brain. Okay. When it comes to this back line. <laughs> um, no, I have the exact same, um, particularly with Sauerbrunn and Cook, I think, because I, I have where to on the right hand side as well. Um, and I have Sauerbrunn back there because I've really enjoyed what Gurma's brought. Um, but I have Sarabran just in terms of her experience leading that back line with Fox and Cook and Huerta. So just adding somebody in that can can continue and understands about leading the line, no doubt can Cook do that. But what I find interesting about that pairing um, that you just mentioned, Sandra, is I think at this point in time, I put Cook as one of the best center backs, um, and this is a bold statement, but in the world in terms of her ability to be able to go 1v1, um, especially when a team plays a high line, right, which we're going to see the U.S. do quite frequently, but not afraid to be exposed 1v1. And I think with Becky, in terms of where she is in um, this part of her career, I think you need that next to her, right, because she will be so good with everything going forward, still very good with being able to um, track things down behind, but having somebody um, with Al Alana's ability and comfortability to, to go 1v1 in those situations um, 
with Nair, whoever's playing goal, picking up some of the slack in behind. Um, but I'm with you. I mean, we've seen Fox back there a um, number of times. Um, but I like what Huerta's done in the league for sure. Um, and I'm I'm in particular interested in the balance of Fox and Huerta consistently, um, especially um, what that looks like when we talk about not really adjusting formations, but you adjust how you're utilizing your personnel and how you utilize width, how you utilize screening maybe the back two, and does that rely on Huerta or Fox pinching in at certain times and playing as a double six? Um, so what does that look like? And I think those two um, have that ability. So I'll be I'll be extremely curious, but I would like to see that back line. But with Germa getting some minutes too, because I think yeah. she's playing beyond her years. Um, so would you like to see Germa rotating in alongside Cook or alongside Sauerbrunn? Both. I think both. Okay. I think you have to um, try both of those out, right? Yeah. I mean, I think more typically we see her obviously in San Diego on the um, left center back position. So I would imagine more frequently that's where we'll see. So I would, I would think it would be a rotation with Sauerbrunn more often than not, um, which I think – is awesome going forward yeah. to see a cook Gurma um, at this point in time as well. So. Me too. I think that rotation for the future of this team is really, really promising. I have Cook and Sauron in the midfield or in the center backs as well. Also, Abby Dahlkamp are out with a rib injury, so she's not included in this roster as, uh, uh, either. Um, but I, I'm still curious about Kelly O'Hara. Yes, she's coming back from a bit of injury. We only saw her get 15 minutes with Washington Spirit this most recent weekend in the NWSL. Um, but I think if she, I mean, in the next couple of weeks, right, a week or so, can get back Back up, I think we would see her start over someone like Huerta. So it would be a Kelly O'Hara, Sauerbrunn, Cook, and then Emily Fox on the other outside back. But that's that's more so what I've seen in the past. I do think Huerta could be so beneficial there in, in that line, getting up, attacking that flank. I mean, that's what she does so well, so well. <laughs> I, I'm with you, Lisa. I mean, we have seen that, and I, I'm kind of expecting that too, but this is a wish list. So oh, okay. Okay. So you're going for the wish list. I'm just trying to be right over here and I'm yeah, I trying to read Black and Anopsi's mind, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I like the wish list aspect of it. Yeah. All right. Moving forward, the midfielders. This is a big topic of conversation. Uh, Sam Ewis is out. She's not called into this list. Um, also, Julie Ertz is on maternity leave. She is not called into this. So when we look at the midfield that we have called in, Lindsay Horan, Taylor Korniak, Rose Lavelle, Christy Mewis, Ashley Sanchez, and Andy Sullivan, before I even ask you to name your three midfielders that you're going with, who is going to play the six, Lori? <laughs> uh, Andy Sullivan, yeah, for sure. But I also think this is where it's interesting. And, you know, I mentioned coffee earlier and um, her not being on the, the full roster for the qualifiers. I think then this is where you you really have to get the the trio of those players correct. I mean, because I think you're going to have to see some movement on how they play. I'm just going to announce my three right now. I don't think we're going to, I, I want to have a wish list, but I also am going to with what I think as well. Um, so I'm changing <laughs> each line. <laughs> but I do think we're going to see Sullivan. I don't think we're, I, I mean, I think it's going to be Sullivan, Haran, and Lavelle to begin with, um, which I think Haran provides more of that balance in between that we've seen her play, more of the eight, right? She can slip in next to Sullivan, but primarily we'll see Sullivan as the six. But listen, you can go with a variety of um, partnerships here um, that I think would be fun and entertaining, depending also what that looks like in the front line, right? So a lot of it is, you know, who 
overall what the picture is in terms of the balance of experience, but also who's been playing together on club, who has an understanding of one another. So, you know, going back to the partnerships, you could put Korniak in there and she would be, I think, actually be okay. But it makes sense to partner her with an Alex Morgan out there, right? Like right. there's an understanding between those two, Hatch and Sanchez, Rodman, right, would be a group that you would you would think that you'd put together. So, and just for the chat, you know, where to Megan Rapino probably be out so we've got a couple votes for Horan, Rose Lavelle, um, and Andy Sullivan in the midfield. Sandra, yeah. who's your trio? Yeah, that's because they're correct. The chat is yeah. correct. It's it's going to be Sullivan, Horan, and, and, and Lavelle. I will say that looking at this this midfield, uh, I'm looking at it, I'm just kind of like, there's actually an opportunity here for perhaps all six of these players to get some extended minutes in, in some capacity. I mean, I look at that and I also think, maybe there's going to be a certain level of, of exhaustion that comes in, into play. I mean, Ashley Sanchez, Andy Sullivan, you know, the spirit having a ton of games under their belts, uh, Sullivan working her way back um, into form. Lindsay Horan coming off of, you know, club with, with, with Lyon where they won the league, where they won champions league. Um, and uh, the way just sort of on the run that they are right now and, and Cornea, yes, while we're, you know, giving her praise for her performances. This is also kind of the first time that she's been getting consistent starts. And sometimes when you're still at that early stage of your career, adapting to the pro level, that can catch up to you real, real yeah. quick. When you start throwing in an added element, like dual team duty for club and country. So I, I think there's a real opportunity to hear all six of these players in some capacity, especially someone like Muse who has, has been a part of Andonovsky's midfield core for the most part for quite some time. But I think to start things out, as if we're talking about setting the tone and then establishing the tempo for this middle third in this national team, you absolutely have to go with a combination of uh, Sullivan, Horan and Lavelle. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, that that trio is locked down for sure, but we have to talk about it. In the six, uh, Sandra, you just mentioned you could see any number of these midfielders in rotation. Mm -hmm. um, and that means Andy Sullivan isn't going to play 90 minutes for both of these Columbia friendlies, or at least I don't think she should. I think they should get some rotation in that six. Uh, we've had some names thrown out in the chat throughout this hour that we've been talking about it. Taylor Korniak, Lindsay Horan, uh, Naomi Gurma, Sam Coffey. Who could we see in the six besides Andy Sullivan? Right now as his roster or someone who's not named? Right him? now as this roster. This is all you get to pick from. This is all who's traveling, getting well, a plane ticket. Well, I mean, we're not. We can't. Are we really going to consider coffee when she's only going to be available for these Columbia matches? I thought we were just focusing on. Uh, this is true. Yeah, yeah. I'm just throwing out the names that were in the chat. So if we're just looking at CONCACAF, who else yeah. could be rotated in? So that would eliminate Sam Coffee from this. Yeah, in terms of just the sixth position, I think, look, we saw we saw Lindsay Ryan have to go through some things and be relied upon in in that Olymp in that Tokyo Olympic Games when there was a lot of unknowns about uh, Julie Ertz. She's a player who's not unfamiliar with that position, but I'm also someone who really appreciates her aunt's play when she's a little bit higher up in the pitch, when she's been given a little bit more 
freedom to sort of be more attacking and more involved in the offense versus being a player that is going to have to have that sort of dual responsibility of both someone who has to disrupt play and someone who has to also spearhead play. So while I think Haran is capable of that, this is also a player who's had to navigate some injury of her own mm-hmm. over, over the last, uh, the last year or so. And I don't, you know, for people who aren't aware of that position, that defensive mid position, it's a lot of work. And there's a reason why you sort of have a player that is maybe kind of built a certain type of way to go into this role because you can, on, on, depending on the type of game it is, it's, it could be a game where you maybe take a lot of punishment. It could maybe be uh, a game where you're maybe more tasked uh, for, for link up play. So it just, it just depends on, on the match. I think that's in front of you. And I think that she is a good option to, to, to sort of maybe rely on, but I wouldn't utilize that as my number one go-to option. I really think there's an opportunity here to try to maybe see where a player like Sullivan is at, at the moment and slot her into that sixth position where she has been used to, you know, be uh, playing with this national team to allow Lavelle and to allow Haran more of that attacking freedom. Yeah, I would, I would completely agree with that. And I also think that we potentially won't see as much rotation as we actually think. Um, I think in terms of the starting lineup too, I think it, especially the first game, um, as Sandra mentioned, it is really about setting the tone, getting that first game under your belt, and then you can kind of go from there, right? Like on um, get the first game under Haiti, win that game, and then you can make some changes according or in-game changes, right, to give players rest. And I think that Haran is a little bit more injured than we actually think, and we mentioned that on a previous one as well. So I think that's where you really managing of minutes comes into play. Could see her start the games, but, you know, I think, you're going to see more of the rotation in the yeah. middle of the games than we are um, at the beginning. So I do think, to Sandra's point, Andy Sullivan will be the clear six, personally, barring anything wild, right? Um, because I do think that they believe in her and they continue to want to see that development from her. And then I think it goes back to what we've been saying all along. you just got to get the personnel right, depending on who you're playing against, because Haran can drop deeper. We've seen Korniak can drop deeper. Christy Mewis can drop deeper at times. So you're going to have people that have a bit more rotation. Um, now, I don't think we're going to see that from Lavelle consistently, right? No. You're going to have her higher up. You're going to have Sanchez higher up. But, I mean, there's other players that can kind of be those in-between um, playmakers as well that will help um, provide whatever the game demands, which is, as Sandra mentioned, linking up or um, just keeping the ball mi- uh, moving and, and tempo setting, really. Exactly. And, and Sullivan can do that. And she has done that before. It's hopefully finding a bit more consistency from her throughout these matches. So it looks like we're going with a 4-3-3 in our formation here consistently, the three of us. So this forward line, um, I, I want to hear who you've got called in on the roster. Ashley Hatch, Alex Morgan, Mallory Pugh, Midge Purse, Megan Rapino, Trinity Rodman, and Sophia Smith. Lori, I will start with you. Who are your starting front three strikers? Wish list. Yeah, okay. Wish list. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit of tough at the nine position because it would have been super easy if Kat McCari was still there. I mean, it would be Mal Pugh, Kat, and um, Sophia Smith at this point in time, which we have consistently seen. That would be a no-brainer for me. Um, and Mal Pugh and Sophia Smith are still in that starting lineup for me. But then it comes down to a little bit on like who we're playing against and what what that looks like. Um, and also what the midfield looks like, um, whether or not I'm primarily going with a Hatch or, or an Alex Morgan. 
Um, and, and that's a tough call because I do, I think it really does come down to um, who, who they're playing against. Um, yeah. If I'm, if I'm Vlatko though, starting with in terms of just pure playing right now, I'd probably go with Alex. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, that's a tough one for me because I do think, as I mentioned before, Hatch gives a little something different in between an Alex and a Kat Macario that I think could be beneficial against some of the opponents in CONCACAF for qualifiers. Yeah, I think if I'm thinking forward, wish list, uh, I mean, look, in terms of who's in front of us right now and, and a combination of what I would like to see play out over the, the you know, J- July segment of these games, uh, I, I Look, I've been on this show a couple times. We've been doing A3 and talking about, you know, current form of some of these players. And when I saw Alex Morgan's inclusion on, on this, I said, this is it. <laughs> this is it. This is, the, this is the time. We have seen uh, this player pool expanded over the course of the last six months. We have seen the continued development, the growth of players like Sophia Smith, Mallory Pugh, uh, we can add into that uh, into the mix now somebody like a Trinity Rodman who has uh, been very slowly brought along within this national team and we got to a certain point at least for me anyway for Sandra where I was like this is great this is a lot of fun we're getting to see a lot of new things but now we have to start bridging things to, these things together so when I saw this drop I said great gimme Pew gimme Smith gimme Morgan I want to see it. I would love to see it. Uh, hopefully it leads to some really fun stuff on the pitch for, for people who will be watching, whether they're they're deep fans of, of the U.S. team or, or neutrals who, who like to tune in for these types of, of big events. Um, I think there could be some really special stuff there if we get to, to see uh, the, the opportunity of these three uh, play in some in some capacity. I agree. I think the Smith-Pew uh, combination is something that we will see consistently. Vlachowanovsky talked about that in his media availability, how high he was on these two players, how they are so entertaining to watch in the league. They are one of the best, and they've established themselves as starters in his eyes, and and I couldn't agree more. I mean, they're the duo that's going to get it done for the U.S. in the front line, and, and I agree that Morgan should be in there right now just based on how well she's performing with San Diego. Um, nine goals in the league and she's the the leader right now in goals scored. Um, she's doing it incredibly well, a number of PKs, but it doesn't matter. She's still getting it done. And I think that's something that you need to bring to these world cup qualifiers and, and that touch of veteran experience that she has being in situations like this before, but having that rotation of hatch come in there, um, it, She's a player that for Vlachowanovsky stepped on the pitch and scored goals back to back in in her minutes on the pitch. So she's a goal scorer. She's just got that nose for the goal, gets in the right place at the right time, has the ability to sneak in on back shoulders of defenders. And that's what makes Hatch. That's why she's on this roster, right? To score goals. And that's what you want from your nines. But apart from... Alex Morgan and Ashley Hatch as that central nine striker without Kat Macario, those really are the options at this point for Vlatko Antonovsky in that front line um, between those players. Lori, Sandra, um, we've talked a lot about this. We've really (laughs) digested this roster as best as we could. I think we did a pretty good job with it. But before we close out, um, final thoughts for me there of you two. Any crazy wish list you want to see? Anything formationally that might change? Uh, Sandra, for you, final thoughts on this? LFG. 
<laughs> yeah, listen, I don't need to back it, come up with anything else. I agree. I love chi all the way. Like this is fun. I think this is an exciting time, obviously, not only for the US, but this competition should be um very enjoyable. And I think um I'm pumped. Let's go. It's a good roster. Ah. That is the way to say it, Lori Lindsay. Thank you both so much for joining us on the USWNT Hour. As a reminder, the June training camp for the two matches against Columbia, uh, those matches are Saturday, June 25th at Dick Sporting Goods Park in Commerce City, Colorado. And the second one, Rio Tinto Stadium in Sandy, Utah on Tuesday, June 28th, ahead of the 2022 CONCACAF W Championship that will be happening. Thank you everyone so much for listening and for joining us. Lori and Sandra, if you like this video and you dropped your social media handle in the chat, look out for a DM from us. You could be our Paramount Plus subscription winner. You can follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third for more. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to us on YouTube to catch all of our interviews and get alerts for when we go live. YouTube.com slash Attacking Third. We'll be back next Monday for another USW NT hour. Thank you everyone so much for joining us. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.